if you are located outside of the European Union, the United Kingdom and or Switzerland, then you need an authorized representative. So I have a good news, you have found it with Easy Medical Device. And if you are also in need of an importer in Europe and in Switzerland, then contact us definitely at info at easymedicaldevice.com. I-N-F-O at easymedicaldevice.com and I'm sure we can help you. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy Podcast. I am Munir Alazuzi, a medical device expert specialized on quality and regulatory affairs. My mission is to help you learn how to place a compliant medical device on the market. For that, I share with you my experience and the one of others on this podcast. Are you ready for your dose of regulation and standards today? Okay, so let the show begin. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Here is Munir Alazuzi from easymedicaldevice.com. And today, we'll do the March 2023 regulatory update. This video of the regulatory update is provided by our sponsor, which is MedBoard. So who is MedBoard? MedBoard, the regulatory research and intelligence platform, is focused on solving the problem with increasing news and data and new requirements as regulatory intelligence, post-market surveillance, clinical literature review, and many more. We are making trusted MedTech information and data more accessible, creating the largest information portal search and the best tools for review, intelligence and portfolio management. We are already changing people's lives like you by reducing tedious manual and repetitive work or saving much time. Contact us at network.com to learn more about us and do a free trial. Okay. EU MDR transition period. So, in February 2023, the EU Commission has voted the extension of the EU MDR 2017-745. So, uh, mainly, what does it mean? It means that um, the end date of the transition period is not anymore by the 26th of May 2024, uh, which is next year, but depends now on some uh, small criteria. Uh, one of the first criteria is mainly that um, every um, companies uh, have to have an agreement uh, with a notified body before the 26th of May 2024. It means that you need to have a contract with the notified body uh, so that you can get an advantage of this extension period. If you don't have any contract with, or an agreement with a notified body, then you will not be able to uh, extend your, uh, your current certificate. Um, so the other thing is mainly that uh, it depends on your classification. I mean, there are other um, elements and we talked about that last time. So I just want to, uh, to, to take, take only the, the, the major information. So um, the extension depends also on your classification. So if you are class uh, 3 or class 2B, uh, non-wet, uh, non-well-established technologies uh, devices, then you can extend your certificate until the 31st of December 2027. And if you are class 2B, well-established technologies uh, like uh, dental braces, like uh, uh, screws, uh, plates, etc. Uh, then, um, and also class 2A and class 1, 
uh, with a measuring function or sterile, etc., with a certificate. You can then continue to, uh, you can extend your certificate until the 31st of December uh, 2028 this time. And the last category that was also mentioned is about custom-made devices. Uh, if you are a custom-made device, uh, you can benefit of your transition period before to uh, follow the UMDR uh, until the 26th of May 2026 this time. So you see that there are a lot of changes. Actually, it was voted. There is still the publication on the official journal. I just placed on the on the uh, on the show notes the link of uh, an article that uh, is available for you. So mainly, this is uh, the things that are actually happening. One thing that is also important, uh, if you have already your certificate that expired, if you are still following the UMDD, if there is no significant change of your products, maybe you, you can also benefit of uh, an extension or support from uh, uh, the competent authority by following Article 97 uh, of the UMDR, which is an article showing that it's competent authority that will take you under their wings uh, instead of a notified, uh, notified body. So check all those options and we can look at that. Um, so uh, one thing that is mainly happening also uh, is the fact that this extension um, is can also impact other regions of the world because other regions of the world also have taken into account this, uh, this extension. I mean, should take account this extension because the CE certificate depends also uh, of, of uh, for other regulation, there you need also a C certificate for registration. So, what is impacting EU can also impact other regions. And for that, we have also the second case, which is the UK. So, UK uh, is also talking about this extension and what is really the impact, and we'll look at that. Uh, one of the things that they are mentioning is mainly that um, the UK. You, you know that normally the UK is, accept, is continuing to accept uh, CE certificates for the registration of uh, medical devices in UK until uh, normally the, tw the 30th of June 2023, but they have extended this date. We are still waiting for the official publication of the law for the extension. Uh, so for the moment, it's, it is still uh, 30th of June 2023, uh, but be reassured, normally they will extend that. Uh, so it means also that normally on this new law, they will accept the certificate that were extended due to this vote of the EU Commission. Uh, because yeah, if your certificate is mentioning the date of the a certain expiration, expiration date, it means that normally it's not valid anymore. Uh, so then what does it mean for the other countries that are saying, oh, but your certificate is still is still is expired, then they will take that into consideration also. So they are really listening to what's happening to the European Union to take that into account for, for their region. So normally this should not be really an impact uh, for, for the UK uh, in terms of the registration of your, of your device. But remember that the UK is accepting CE marking until, as I've said, the 30th of June 2023. That normally should be extended of one year to the 30th of June 2024. Uh, we are still waiting for the vote. But after this date, they will not accept CE marking anymore. It means that you will have to, to be UKCA marked. So this is a lot of things. So don't hesitate also to ask your question at the, uh, uh, to our um, website, to our email. So info, I-N-F-O at easymedicaldevice.com if there is still some elements that are not really clear here. Ireland 
is also talking a bit about this by providing the, the form or the registration form for following the Article 97. As I've told you, the Article 97 is mainly that you are requesting a competent authority uh, to be your notified body uh, because you have no more notified body for your products uh, and because your certificate expired. So mainly this is the idea here. So the Irish government uh, has provided this uh, form that you have to to fill and to register etc to then uh, make this demand this form is also available to many other regions uh, so don't hesitate to go to each um, website of any of the uh, competent authority for your product if you are located outside of europe you have to take the competent authority of your authorized representative and then normally uh, the, your authorized representative can also take care of that i mean us easy medical device as authorized representative we are also taking care of this, this kind of demand, but as we are located in Belgium, so we are taking care of that with the Belgium authorities uh, for this kind of demand. So um, if you are looking for an authorized representative, so you can also use Easy Medical Device, and then we can also take care of this kind of demand uh, if you are under our, uh, our wings, if I can say. Okay, EU uh, Team NB. So Team NB, uh, Team Notified Body, the Association for Notified Bodies, has issued um, a guidance on uh, the submission of technical file for IVDR. They have had already done that before for MDR, where there was really a great guidance for technical documentation on, IV, on MDR. Now they are doing exactly the same, which is a guidance that is showing to you how you should fill a technical file for IVDR. Uh, so mainly we, each chapter, what is uh, inside each chapter, what should contain each chapter. So this is really a great document that you can use to guide you on how to fill uh, your, uh, your technical file. And additionally to that, I haven't seen that for the MDR, but I've, I'm seeing that now for IVDR. They are creating a training on Wednesday, June 20, uh, 14th, uh, 2023, uh, where they will guide, they will make a training for manufacturers on how to fill a technical file for IVDR. Uh, so it will be done remotely, the language will be in English, and they are limiting that to around 40 organizations. So go to the show notes if you are really interested by that, uh, so that you can register and then get, uh, get this training from the Team NB organization for uh, technical documentation on IVDR. So yeah, so these are really great documents if you are in the IVDR business and you are not knowing exactly how to create a technical file, you have this guidance first that is explaining that to you and second you have this training provided by uh, the uh, team NB uh, in IVDR. Okay, the EMA uh, is issuing a pilot for scientific advices. Uh, so what does it mean? It means that mainly uh, you remember that for EUMDR, you have, for some high-risk products, to go through an expert panel. And we talked about that a few months before, that now the expert panel for medical devices is under the uh, administration of the EMA, European Medicine Agency. So the EMA now issues a pilot on scientific advice for certain high-risk device, uh, risk devices. So this is mainly for class 3 and class 2B active devices intended to administer and or remove medicinal products. So, what does it mean? It means that mainly they will provide to these organizations that are applying, that are sending a letter of interest, uh, a free advice on their clinical strategy, clinical development strategy, clinical uh, investigation uh, for their products. So 
this is a pilot so they are testing if they, how this is working they will open that for a certain payment maybe in the future but for the moment it's a free uh, request so uh, how many i can't remember how many but they mentioned some numbers like 10 maybe 10 companies that they will, they will advise for free uh, so which is not a lot so if you are really interested yeah go and uh, make your letter of uh, interest and they will pick one in april and then decide uh, first uh, in april which one will be uh, there so start you can uh, do uh, do it from now everything will be on the show notes so you can also get the link so that you can find the letter of interest of intent uh no of interest letter of interest uh format so that you can fill that and then uh send that to your to this organization notified bodies so which notified bodies were accredited now so we have two notified bodies and surprisingly two notified bodies for ivdr the first one is nsai uh, which is uh so the um uh, nsai for the so notified body that was already mdr and now it is also ivdr in ireland and we have mdc also uh that is also uh ivdr so now how many companies or how many notified bodies are ivdr there are now 10 and how many under imdr there are 37 so there is still a growing number of notified bodies in uh, ivdr and mdr which is great but yeah we still need more so and i i know that more applied also so we are waiting that now they go through all this process and to understand the process for selecting and approving and creating a notified body is really long it's long funnel if i can say to do that uh, because mainly they have to go through a lot of processes they have to also get audited and approved and they also receive some capas they also have to solve their capas before they can get their accreditation again so it's why it can take, take a, long, a long time but yeah we start to have some big numbers some 10 notified bodies for ivdr and 37 for mdr so switzerland now so last month we talked about that also so in switzerland they are creating some question and answers uh, forms or sheets uh, to just explain uh, how to do some uh, some act actions for the swiss market uh, last time they talked about medical general medical devices they explained how to notify for general medical devices if you need to notify etc now they are doing exactly the same as last time but for ivd in vitro diagnostic products so they are explaining uh, which product should be notified or not notified in which case you have to uh, renew a notification or not etc uh, so this is really a, i think an interesting document for you to read if you are an ivd company and you are trying to get to the swiss market you will see that mainly there is a lot of moment where you don't need to notify but if you are co coming from outside of the uh, switzerland then you have to have an authorized representative in switzerland and this authorized representative need to notify that you are um, um mandating this company as your authorized representative so this is mainly the thing that is happening but there is no official notification for each product one by one for for this case so um please yeah go to the show notes and just read this uh, qu question answer documents where there is all the information about um, yeah all the questions that you will maybe ask about in vitro diagnostic for switzerland so we got an alert from the spanish authority a 
AEMPS, uh, so which is sending a notice that is addressed to the notified bodies and to manufacturers of nasal sprays with varicidal and microbiocidal action. Sorry for the, that. So mainly the problem that uh, the Spanish authority did discover is the fact that they find a lot of products that are nasal spray uh, with those actions that claims to be protecting or um, yeah protecting against COVID. So to avoid uh, some uh, some infection about COVID without any clinical data. So this is mainly the problem to say is this first really a medical device because is there any pharmacological, immunological or metabolic action? Is this really uh, classified correctly? Uh, does the notified body really review that correctly? Do they have really the information? So many the ideas to say first is it really a medical device and if it is a medical device is there any clinical data or claims that are showing that those products are really doing what they are saying they are doing? So yeah what is important on medical devices, many the claims, what you are claiming exactly, and the clinical data that is backing up this claim. So if you don't have that, it can be really a problem. Uh, you need to have that for your uh, clinical evaluation also. So yeah, this is mainly something that can be stopping your products or getting uh, yeah, some, some issues on the market if your company is providing some products without any clinical data. Okay, Germany now with companion diagnostic. So if you haven't heard about companion diagnostic, this is an IVD device uh, that is now um, regulated under the EUMDR, uh, EUIVDR, sorry. Uh, so mainly this IVD device um, is um, used in combination with a medicinal product. So the objective of this is mainly to select the right patients to receive a certain medicine. So usually it's used for some detection of some cancer, uh, so that they are detecting some kind of markers uh, inside your body that show that this is this type of cancer that you have. So then they are using the right therapy to then try to kill the cancer. So this kind of products is now under IVD. Uh, it has also to be used in combination with a certain drug. It cannot be used for a monitoring for patients. So monitoring means that verifying that the patient is really reacting correctly to a certain drug or whatever. This is mainly for only for a selection of patients and then uh, the use of the, of the therapy. So there is a full page of information about companion diagnostic on the BFARM uh, website. So the German uh, authority website, where you can see all the links, all the information, all the things. So if you are in the companion diagnostic business, if, or if you want to understand more about companion diagnostic, this page is really great so that you have all the information uh, about that. And we'll talk about that just a bit later with the US market. So Italy now, Italy is opening a registry for breast implants. So mainly, um, this is apparently the first country doing this kind of thing for uh, a registry mandatory for health authorities to report any implantation or removal of breast implants and also for economic operators i'm not sure how this is working we have to look at that that should transmit the data relating to each single breast implant breast prosthesis marketed and intend to be marketed in in italy so this is mainly uh, something that will be mandatory so if you are in the breast implant business, if you are working uh, or selling in Italy, maybe you will hear about that. You will hear that you have uh, to register uh, each unit of products that are uh, entering the Italian market uh, for that. 
I'm not sure why specifically Italy is doing that um, because mainly the biggest breast implant issue we had before was the PIP scandal but it was in 2009 or 10 around that uh, so yeah 20 uh, to 12 years later or doing again something like that is strange so and why only Italy when not all the other countries so we'll be really interested to understand more about what is behind that but mainly yeah you have now to register or to inform about any breast implant prosthesis that you are marketing or that you are uh, having uh, to be implanted inside the, the Italian market Okay, now MDCG 2023-3, which is the question and answers on vigilance uh, terms and concepts for UMDR. So this document is really interesting. I mean, the concept or the elements are well known maybe for people that are uh, in the medical device business. So we know about how to perform vigilance reporting or not, because mainly <laughs> if your company is doing well and there is no issue with your product, so I suppose you never use your vigilance reporting system. So here it's a great... Uh, um, uh, guidance showing to you how this is working there is also a flow chart explaining uh, all the information that are uh, mentioned there uh, it's also answering a lot of questions like uh, who is considered as the user of a device or what is a use error uh, in comparison to abnormal use so there are a lot of those terms that are also and uh, yeah described or you, you have really to to make some kind of understanding of that because those terms are really defining on which direction you should go what exactly you should do etc so if you have never performed a vigilance reporting start by reading that just to have a clear understanding there is also the mention of the dates uh, the days means the period when you have to inform the authorities and we'll talk again about that with the US market um, so mainly when you are informed about an issue you have normally like 10 or 15 days to inform or two days if it's a public threat to inform the authorities so many of these are all the things that are mentioned um, we are planning in a few weeks now uh, a, a podcast episode also talking about vigilance reporting so this is also something that uh, will remind you what we'll be talking about during uh, during that episode but uh, mdcg 2023-3 is mainly the guide that will explain to you how to understand vigilance reporting and maybe also how to write your procedure for vigilance reporting which is also something that is needed for your uh, quality management system Okay, now the Global Harmonization Working Party uh, has issued a guidance called the Categorization of Changes to a Registered Medical Device. Um, this is an interesting guidance because when I read it, because I'm trying really to read every document that I'm presenting to you, when I read it, I say, oh, but it looks exactly nearly the same as the MDCG 2020-3, which is the main MDCG for significant changes. So what is considered or not a significant change? So this is mainly a document that is really going in the same direction. There is a flowchart for each of the things. If it's a software, here are the flowcharts and telling you this is a significant change or this is not a significant change, etc. But as it's a, um, a global harmonization working party who is doing that, um, which is like maybe the GHTF before and now it's GHWP or IMDRF. I mean, I'm also a bit lost with all those <laughs> acronyms because of the NSA. It looks the same, but they have a different name. So mainly this is the thing that uh, you may use to create also your procedure on uh, significant changes or changes, uh, just changes, to say 
at a certain point if the change that you are trying to do is it significant or not if it is significant you have to inform your notified body you have to inform the authorities if it is not significant you have to record that and then justify why it's not significant etc so this is also an important document that you have to use to build your quality management system procedures okay there is an event now which is the imdrf 2023 uh, the 23rd session uh, that will happen in Brussels uh, in Belgium on the 27th and 28th of March 2023. So mainly in the agenda, there is two days in the agenda where they will talk about safety notice and vigilance again, real world evidence, monitoring uh, of safety and performance of software, post-marketing surveillance for artificial intelligence. So there will be a lot of topics that will be discussed. So you can still register. There is the, the, the link on the show notes uh, to go and to, uh, to check that uh, if you are in the area of Belgium. Okay, now USA. So in the US, they are issuing a lot of guidances. Um, mainly this month or last month, they were talking a lot about uh, X-ray equipment uh, guidances like Assembler's Guide to Diagnostic X-ray Equipment or Performance Standards for Diagnostic Equipment uh, Standard uh, Guidance uh, Equipment, uh, Medical X-ray Imaging Device Conformance with the IEC standards, and there are a lot of other guidances also, not only on X but others but uh, you can see that also on the show notes. so if you are on the x-ray equipments then those guidances will help you to understand uh, how maybe to be compliant to the US market how to place your device compliantly and what you need exactly for that so these are uh, important guidances but as I say in the US to be honest there are a lot of guidances that are issued uh, so if you have a certain product you can search for a guidance for this product and you maybe find that it's not the same as in Europe Europe you are you 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 may have few guidances on few products but in the US it's really a lot so you you'll see that Okay, now the same as we talked before, companion diagnostic. Uh, in the US market, they are also um, registering companion diagnostics. Um, and uh, mainly here, they have made a list of all the cleared companion diagnostic for which biomarker, as we talked before, etc. So, by looking at this list, it's really interesting because then you understand more about what is the classification of a companion diagnostic. Also, what is the product code of the companion diagnostic because I checked nearly every, all of them and the code is always the same. It's OWD. So if you search for the product code OWD, you will see about um, the classification of a, a company diagnostic. So it's a class three. The regulatory pathway is mainly a PMA, uh, pre-market notification, uh, pre-market approval. Uh, so here, as I said, you can see also all the company diagnostic that were already cleared on the US market, which can help you in case you are a, com a company manufacturing company diagnostic to understand more about how the, this company were uh, able to register their their device in the US but yeah you can have those lists in the in the show notes okay in the US we have also the medicine newsletter from February 2023 so it's uh, always standard they are talking a lot about the issues that are happening and uh, mainly uh, some recalls some reporting some things and you can see these things can happen also to your products um, this month or uh, in February what was interesting is the warning letters there is a section for warning letters uh, so I really like also to read the warning letters of the company so I opened this one and it's mainly for endoscopes uh, companies uh, 
I will not mention the names here, but you can find that directly on the on the link. Um, so we have two companies there. I mean, I find two companies. Maybe there were more, but uh, there is two companies that had received some warning letter. The first company received warning letter because uh, they had a lot of issues on the market. Complaints received from from uh, hospitals or from users on the market uh, so they have registered those complaints those complaints were showing clearly that there is a mis, uh, uh, misuse or um, uh, malfunction of their device of their products but they have done nothing apparently so mainly after they had uh, received this fda inspection uh, the fda looked at all that and they find that yeah there was a repeat uh, malfunction of their device and the, they were not acting they are doing nothing so so mainly this is why they received the warning letter for the second uh, company um, they had a warning letter mainly because they have not followed at all the design process. They have no procedures for design process related to validation. They have no procedures um, when there is a verification. When, when you cannot verify uh, continuously a product, you have to do a validation. They are not doing that at all. They have no procedure also for the maintenance of a DHR. I mean, basic, it's basic for every company, so they don't have that. No procedure for medical device reporting, as we talk about vigilance reporting. So, I mean, I don't know how they, they were able to continue to start to ma manufacture the, these products since there's many years without that. But yeah, this is also the issue is that you have some companies that can start to manufacture their products can start to sell that and the FDA is not auditing them from the beginning but auditing, auditing, auditing them maybe later uh, which is not what is happening in Europe in Europe you have an audit from the authorities before for your quality management system and then when you get approved then you can sell in the US apparently there are some misses because mainly here they would normally they would not have been able to manage to sell these products without clearing that they have a procedure for this and have a procedure for for that so this is mainly the, the issue here but yeah if you really want to um, get some feeling of uh, issues that are happening within uh, some companies warning letters are really a great document because it's showing exactly what are the type of issues that can lead you to uh, a warning letter and a warning letter is really 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 a big problem with your for your company because if you are not able to correct all those issues that are mentioned in the warning letter they can stop close your company so it's mainly that can stop stop your business completely so this is really important for you to, uh, to manage Okay, now let's go to Saudi Arabia. So Saudi Arabia has always issued some webinars and there are two webinars that they are issuing this month which is the first which is the uh, Saudi DI like UDI DI like it's Saudi DI good <laughs> word game if I can say on this um, which uh, they will make a webinar happening on the March 20th 2023 um, and here uh, on the show notes you will see the, the link of the page and just go at the bottom of the image and here there is a click here which is mainly the, click, the link for uh, accessing the video so um, go there on the 20th of March 2023 uh, 3 p.m. local time so 3 p.m. in Saudi Arabia so I don't know what will be the time at, uh, at your at your place and the second webinar will be on the March on March 14th 2023 uh, and it will be about clinical evaluation requirements for clinical evaluation reports uh, of medical devices so mainly um, what you need in your clinical evaluation 
for registering your products also in Saudi Arabia. It will be again remotely on the 14th of March 2023 at 10 a.m. local time. So also the same, you go at the bottom, you see click here and you click and you can then access to the, to the, to the webinar. So don't hesitate to go if you are really interested to understand more how to register your devices in, the, in Saudi Arabia. In Saudi Arabia, we have also um, the need of appointing an authorized representative uh, for, for your products. And here they are providing a template for agreements between an organization and an authorized representative. There are two templates. There is one for a single legal manufacturer. If you are one company only that is uh, willing to have an agreement with an authorized representative, or if you are a group, of companies like you have a corporate organization with multiple legal manufacturers in maybe um, with multiple companies and you want to register within also one authorized representative in the Saudi region so no need for you to go for each of them register with this uh, this company they can have one organization that is registered with this company uh, so uh, this is mainly they are providing the templates for the agreement template so it's mainly a document that you are just filling your name etc and just signing at the bottom and here is the agreement is done so it's easy so and it's compliant because it's mainly the authorities that created that so then you don't have to think uh, too much about uh, about it but it will be interesting for you to read that first to understand exactly what are also the uh, requirements the role and responsibility for the authorized representative and also your role and responsibility so that you know exactly if you are following the the right uh, uh, the right legislation and uh, if you are ready really to sell your products in saudi arabia Okay, last country now we are going to South Africa. Um, we have a, a Safra that uh, created a question and answer on licensing of medical devices establishment. So many if you are trying to register your company uh, within the uh, South Africa and to also sell your devices, there is uh, some uh, application to do and here they are giving you some guidance on how to apply, how to register your, your company uh, in, in, in South Africa. So it's a really interesting document because it's question and answer. So there are a lot of questions that are like, how to do this, how to do that, etc. So um, if uh, mainly you have never uh, been with the, this, uh, the authority Safra, so they are starting now to create more and more uh, re, uh, documents like that for registration, for understanding how the legislation is working in South Africa, uh, which is really interesting. Um, the second topic for South Africa is also a communication uh, from Safra on importing and operating unlicensed dental X-ray equipment. So they have identified from many reporting that some dental um, office offices, dental practices are using some um, equipment that are unlicensed, which is really illegal. So they are making a communication to explain exactly how normally they have to license this kind of products, how they can import that products and uh, also avoid some health issue. Because the problem is not only the fact that it's unlicensed, it's the fact that it's creating also some issues within the, the, the patients uh, because they are reporting some uh, problems uh, for, for certain patients. So check also on the show notes, there is a full letter, full communication letter that is issued about that. So um, if you are in South Africa and uh, you are uh, you are uh, having some dental x-ray equipment, you have to understand that it uh, has to be licensed. If it is not, then you have maybe to, uh, to talk again to the authorities about that and explain to them uh, the situation for your products. And if you know about uh, this uh, situation, there is also 
some uh, email or some uh, uh, email yeah, where to, you can communicate with your authorities and explain to, to them the situation. Okay, so before to finalize this podcast, just wanted to remind you that Easy Medical Device, uh, we are a consulting firm and we are trying to help uh, medical device manufacturers all over the world uh, to uh, uh, to uh, be compliant to the market. So we are providing services like authorized representative in Europe, UK and Switzerland. So if you are trying to register your products in all those three regions, so it's great also to have one company uh, that can help you uh, to do all that instead of having three companies. Uh, but we are also at the same time a consulting firm so mainly we are helping companies to create their quality management system to create their technical documentation to realize their post-marketing surveillance post-marketing clinical follow-up clinical evaluation uh, or tests also we are working with the laboratories like for biocompatibility tests uh, for emc tests so uh, usability also so mainly anything that is quality and regulatory affairs that uh, for medical devices we can help you for that so don't hesitate to contact us at info info at easy medicaldevice.com okay now podcasts so the podcast of the last month was mainly uh, the episode 2219 2000 would be great to write 2000 so 219 so uh, the first one was about biological evaluation the top big mistakes so we have made this podcast uh, with uh, Paul Fernandez and uh, Laura Fuzari uh, where we talk specifically about the main issue that they have uh, at group ICAR because it's a laboratory when they are receiving some customers that are requesting some biological evaluation. So it's a great episode where you have, you can understand uh, what are the main issues uh, for, I mean, for some manufacturers and also what the laboratory uh, can do or cannot do for you. So it's mainly how, how they can help you also. So don't hesitate to look at uh, this episode. Next one is episode 220 with SAMD Inter International Reach. So we talked here about uh, with Stefan Berger from Avicenna about how to uh, register your software as medical device all over the world uh, how to uh, do that so mainly uh, with also the uh, the difference in regulations the difference in legislation for a certain country uh, the request from other countries that are maybe uh, following uh, the European Union but also following other legislation so there are all those differences we talked also about MDSAP uh, about artificial intelligence so there are a lot of things that we are talked about uh, within this uh, this episode so if you are in the software as medical device business uh, and you are trying to reach uh, all, all the other markets so then uh, listen to this episode where Stefan Berger is trying to help uh, to provide um, all, the, all the information. Next one is episode 221 uh, where we talked with Todd Vidas uh, Caritonas from uh, Test Labs um, about uh, the transition from class 1 to class 1R. I remind you that class 1R is the new classification under UMDR and it is only and only for reusable surgical instruments uh, so don't use that for any other thing so it's reusable surgical instruments and uh, so uh, we talked here about what exactly a notified body or what an authority will look at when we talk about class 1R uh, so Todd Vidas is really an expert because they are uh, doing that for a lot of manufacturers so you will hear understand exactly what are the different steps to follow what are exactly the documents you have to provide what are the the yeah the proofs the evidence that notified bodies will look at uh, when they will be auditing your company 
and last we had the LinkedIn live so this Friday last Friday uh, so and that will be released uh, this week so it's not released now but it will be released uh, this week I mean when maybe you will see this video it's already released don't hesitate to go on the YouTube channel and to subscribe to the YouTube channel and to click also on the bell uh, there so that you can uh, see any videos or be notified when any video is, is released and here we talk specifically about software as medical device class one um, mainly uh, we had uh, we had Stefan and uh, Oliver that uh, helped to um, make us understand exactly how a software as medical device can still be a class one under UMDR because of the definition uh, that is mentioned on the on the rules for classification where it makes it really difficult to understand how a medical device can be class one but they really made the great explanation as it was live there was also a lot of questions from a lot of people so then it, it's maybe also interesting for you to hear the answers to those questions because maybe it's also the same question that you you want to ask uh, the audience and if you have any uh, other question don't hesitate uh, when the, pub the video will be published uh, to submit your question in the comments and I will try to also answer answer to that as uh, as soon as possible or I will ask um, Stefan or Oliver to come and answer to it also so uh, great Okay, so it was really a pleasure to provide you this regulatory update. Uh, so don't hesitate to go uh, to easymedicaldevice.com to see uh, any new article or any new service that we are providing. And if you have any question or maybe if you have any topic that you want us to cover within our podcast, don't hesitate to tell that to us at info, I-N-F-O at easymedicaldevice.com. Or if you need any of our services, don't hesitate also to call us at info or to send us an email at info, I nfo at easymedicalus.com okay it was really a pleasure for me and i wish you a nice day thanks for listening so if you like this episode please provide a review on the platform where you are listening to it and also don't forget to share it with your colleagues thank you very much